Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Skirtu, and you can find me at www.therapistinsaintlouis.com or of course this podcast, www.aboutsexpodcast.com. And today is a very special day because we are day drinking sex therapists on the episode. <laughs> so I have with me Angie, do you want to be Angie or Angela, Angie? <laughs> I am Angie, but okay. I write it out as Angela. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to call you Angie and I'll be Angela. So Angie Schubert, and then I have David Lay. It's Lay, right? Not like Lee, it's Lay. Like you're laying it's somewhere. Lay. Yep. Like in, as in, yeah. As in, let's get laid. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all day drinking. <laughs> and we're day drinking. Oh, what are you guys drinking? Let's start with you, David. What's what's your drink of choice today? <laughs> uh, Bourbon. Mm. Ooh, yummy, yummy. With, what? Yeah. Oh, go on. With a little bit of ice. Ooh. <laughs> what about you, Angie? Uh, vodka with club oh. soda. Oh, now I know why you're being Trinity. so wild. <laughs> <laughs> vodka soda and Trinity. <laughs> and of course, I'm doing a Pinot Grigio. And I, I actually sent everybody this fun picture of my wine cork stopper, which is this yes. uh, it's a guy with a very, very nice dick. <laughs> But he's not As very I, good looking. <laughs> it, it is a very thick uh, dick, though. <laughs> I was proportionately. Like, are we doing a show and tell? <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to put a picture of this guy on the show <laughs> since it's weird. All right. So you're both sex therapists. How long? I don't care who answers first. You could start talking at the same time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like, how long have, have each of you been sex therapists or been in the sex therapy field? Go ahead, David. Oh, um, uh, I actually started working with sex offenders probably in the mid nineties, um, and, uh, transitioned to working with alternative sexuality kind of crowd, um, around 2005, maybe I've been licensed as a psychologist since 2000. And, um, uh, I finally got certified as sex therapist with ASECT, um, gosh, maybe 2015, but I've been, I've been doing a lot of that work, you know, um, uh, I guess probably almost 15 years now. That I've hear that story a lot, actually, where most people have been doing the sex therapy type work for a while, but then they finally get certified. And David, just real quickly, what makes you kind of cool and special so that people can hear? <laughs> 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 um... Well, I mean, I, um, I I have several books out. Um, the most uh, the most well known one is called "The Myth of Sex Addiction," where um, mm -hmm. several years ago I uh, uh, did a deep dive into the world of sex addiction, um, trying to identify whether it was you know sort of a legitimate kind of concept, and 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 I walked away arguing this was. This was mostly a religious, very heteronormative, um, you know, monogamy-focused concept that had been, frankly, misapplied as a clinical concept. And interestingly, I think that book came out in 2012, maybe. Um, all the research since then has really supported me. And, and the neat thing now is that uh, you know, we're pretty clear that people who identify themselves as addicted to porn or sex aren't having more sex or more porn, watching more porn than, they, than anybody else. They, mm -hmm. uh, they have religious conflicts with it. They were told, you know, if you do this, you're a bad person and then they do it. It feels really good. It's fun. It's exciting. And then they feel like shit afterwards. Yeah. They feel um, shamed because they're like, Oh my God, I did this horrible thing. I'm so terrible. <laughs> right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So, uh, so that, you know, um, uh, I kind of kicked that sort of stuff off and, um, it has really taken off since then. And, and I'm pretty pleased. Yeah. So David's the bad boy of the sex therapy. (laughs) Now, Angie, now you or the savior, whatever you decide, (laughs) Angie, what may, okay. What got you into the sex therapy field? How long have you been in it? And what makes you awesome as well? (laughs) Mm, I feel like that's loaded. Cause I imagine that anybody who goes into the sex therapy world likes sex or is interested by sex, and it's been something across one's lifespan. But I think that for me, um, my origin story has been always just an interest in sexual desire and, and, and what that looks like, and really like the social messages that surround sexuality as a whole, like the whore and the saint. That always baffled mm-hmm. me. I'm like, how oh, I love whores. Know? Right. I love whores. Like, and I love saints. Why can't you be both? And why do you got to be judged? Um, and so for me, um, really the catalyst of it was when I was an undergrad and I was a CNA and I walked in on an older individual who had Alzheimer's and she was masturbating and I was like, oh, yeah, get it. Like, and I shut the door and I was giving her <laughs> privacy. You're like, and get it, girl. <laughs> right? I'm like, hell yes, you can't talk. You have no control of your bowels. You have no agency whatsoever. But you do have the ability to use your hands to pleasure oneself. So I was inspired and at awe. And the charge <laughs> nurse immediately removed her out of that space, washed her hands and put her into the community space. That's so weird. I know. So ever since then, I have been fascinated by, again, these social mores that somehow dictate individual experiences that are, um, that are, that are molded and shaped by one's own life's course and also influenced by social expectations so um, I've always involved the conversation of sexuality. Unfortunately, it's expensive to become an asect sex therapist. Mm-hmm. So I chose the path of academia and received my PhD in 2015. And in t- last year, I really took the sex therapy certification seriously. And now I'm under supervision of Nellie Cannon um, out here in Denver. And he's amazing. But, um, yeah, what makes me unique and special? Yeah, tell us your specialness, no too, of course. Idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a bonafide weirdo. Um, and You do have blue hair. <laughs> I always have, yeah, 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 yeah. I got the blue hair. Um, I don't mind drinking at 11 o'clock in the afternoon. Like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I guess like what what I think that I, I enjoy about myself is my ability to hold a lot of space for a lot of many different types of agency in, in terms of sexual agency, whether you're asexual, whether you're oriented or interested or desiring something that may be taboo. I'm like, let's do this. Let's talk about this. Let's let's peel it apart. Let's honor the parts that feel good. Let's explore the parts that feel yuck. Um, All right, guys, I want to ask you something really serious here. 
Why do you think people are so weird about sex? Like, uh, seriously weird. Because <laughs> uh, they have to talk about it <laughs> <laughs> to understand it. <laughs> but they don't talk I mean, I, about it. Go on, David. <laughs> I think we're programmed to be afraid of it. Um, yeah. And there's the... Um, you know, religion, um, religion serves a lot of valuable functions, but historically religion, um, was a way to control, uh, conception, um, mm -hmm. when people were young and didn't have, you know, the ability to support kids. And so, mm -hmm. you know, by making people afraid of sex, um, it, you know, it tamped it down a little bit, but we live in a very different world right now. and. The thing I think that is really unfortunate is that for many people, um, you know, being afraid of sex um, actually decreases the self-control that you have over it. Um, I know. <laughs> people do crazy shit as a result of that. <laughs> right. And, you know, and, and, and the more taboo we make something, the more, the more scary we make it, it actually increases the excitement for some people. And... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as I've worked with people who get in trouble for sexuality behavior, whether it's, you know, sexual offending or, you know, infidelity or secret masturbation or whatever, I mean, the, um, simply increasing the ability to integrate that sexuality into yourself and acknowledge it as a part of yourself increases self-control, increases, you know, decreases shaming, um, and it, and it really changes people's lives. But we've been taught that, you know, sexuality is something you should, de you should deny and that you're mm -hmm. a better person. You're a better person if you are celibate. And, um, I, which is crazy. I, I won't live that yeah. lifestyle ever, ever. <laughs> <laughs> But you're but right, David. People are crazy like that. Like, I'm sorry, I don't want to call people crazy, but I do. I am drinking, so I'm going to call people crazy more. But really, you're all okay, and I love you all. But like, here's the reality: it's crazy to deny your sexuality. We're very sexual people. We want, we do. We like you want to like to your point earlier, Angela, of like the person who's masturbating. She doesn't even have her wits, and she's like, you know what? This feels good. I'm doing this. Yes. Like, at our very core is our sexuality. And if we are denying it or afraid of it, it really screws people's lives over. What are your thoughts, Angela? Angie. <laughs> <laughs> All of the above. I know. Ange. We'll call you Ange. Ange. <laughs> I'm all right with that. So I think, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I agree. Whatever, Angela. Because, <laughs> no, I mean, it's so complicated. Like, I feel like when you really look at sexuality, m most folks, like you were saying, David, like, they look at, like, like, they look at, like, the more conservative notions of what sex means, and that could be reproduction, and that could mean, um, Spilling the seed and, you know, and, and it's so archaic <laughs> and conservative that if you're going down that road, like, yes, like all of that seems really foreign or anti um, one's life, I guess, or following the rules of the mores of their own community and culture. Mm -hmm. um, but when I find even like for folks who think that they're more liberal minded, like they're okay in quotation with the conversation but when you get really deep down it's 
it's such an unsettling experience to think that one doesn't understand one's body. One doesn't understand what one doesn't even know that they can have an orgasm or what that orgasm might look like. And because it's not something that is accepted, I think in just everyday conversation or education or even promoted as like, yes, you wipe your ass with toilet paper. You use, you know, a pad or a tampon or something else whenever you're on your menstrual cycle. And so then what do you do, um, you know, whenever it comes to sexuality? Well, there's so many wonderful things. Did, you know, what do you know about your clit? Oh, oh. Like, oh. No, really. It's wonderful. <laughs> what do you know about your clit? Like, I know so much friend? about my clit and I really love it. <laughs> I really love her so much. <laughs> oh my God. I love her so much. <laughs> David, did you want to comment on some of that? <laughs> Well, you know, Angela, you're you're in Missouri, and uh-huh. um, you know one of my favorite all time writers, you know, from Missouri, Sam Clemens, Mark Twain. Uh-huh. And um, did you ever read his his uh, essay about masturbation? I uh, did not, and I'm excited. Well, you should send it to us. <laughs> you you should you you absolutely need to read this. And Wait, uh, all Mark of you Twain wrote a, something about masturbation. He did. Yeah. That's what David told us. It's uh, it's yeah. It is called <laughs> the science of onanism, Ooh. and um, it is absolutely tongue in cheek. The one of the funniest things I've ever read. And um, really. Onanism, you know, you mentioned, and I'm, 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 Angie, you said spilling the seed. And um, it is often claimed that the Bible condemns masturbation. And mm-hmm. they, they cite the story of Onan um, oh, yeah. saying that, that this is a condemnation of masturbation. Well, the, and, and that's what Mark Twain is kind of, you know, riffing off of and, and talking about, you know, masturbation as, as this, you know, this, 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 you know, incredible uh, secret pleasure. Um, but, but the, the story of Onan is actually really interesting because it's not about masturbation. It's not. Um, yeah. Mas- you know, Onan was part of uh, a tribe of, of Jews that practiced what they called Leverite marriage. And mm-hmm. in Leverite marriage, when um, a man's brother died, he was supposed to have sex with his sister-in-law so that any children that were born over the next few months would be genetically related to the dead brother and mm-hmm. um, would inherit the dead brother's wealth. Well, Onan was kind of a douchebag, and so he mm-hmm. screwed his sister-in-law. But rather than, you know, inseminating her, he pulled out and he ejaculated on the ground because. Yeah, so the, really, it was pulling out. It wasn't masturbation. That's right, and and it was it was and it was not even just pulling out. It was about greed because mm-hmm. Onan wanted his dead brother's shit. He didn't want to. He didn't want any kids to inherit the stuff. He wanted it. And so the condemnation against it has been understood as being a condemnation against masturbation, but it's really not. It's a condemnation against selfishness. Um, and, yeah, but David, and, it's really important to understand that it's really actually about that now the new sin is pulling out. So if anybody pulls out, <laughs> they're going to die and go burn in hell. And everybody mm-hmm. needs to understand mm-hmm. that. Okay, go on, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I just think it's so funny how people you know, we are just so instinctive to react to 
um, uh, to sex with fear and condemnation. And we miss, we miss the, the more, the more important points oftentimes. I agree. And you know what? I got to talk about some of this archaic stuff in terms of like, I guess how it impacts my life. So I'm with a new life partner in case people don't know. (laughs) I have um, since divorced, actually, David, since the last time you were on the show, he actually was on the show the last time I had my ex-husband. But now I have a new life partner and we're putting things together and exploring things like what if we combined insurance? But so I won't name the religious group that he works for, but he works, he's an IT guy. He's not quite religious, but like whatever. So like he works for a religious group and in this, in their insurance, one, if you're not married, they won't cover your insurance. But then two, even if I did get the insurance, guess what I don't get guys? Birth control. Is that crazy? No kidding. Yes. So like, even if I get great insurance, by the way, religious insurance is the best insurance that exists, but not for any sort of birth control. (laughs) No, because they still have this archaic thing where they're like, no, why don't you just not have sex? That's how you keep a baby from happening. I'm like, fuck no, I want to fuck. That's what's happening. (laughs) Would you suggest that we pull out every time or? (laughs) Actually, it's a sin now, Angie. We just figured that out. We can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't know. So like, I don't know. So what do you think, Angie, about like, I don't know, some of these weird policies like that, whether it's insurance or... I mean, it can be like your your nurse lady that took the poor lady who was masturbating and put her in the damn public. What, what's going on there? Damn it. <laughs> That's what you think. Damn it. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, I always find it very interesting, especially when you look at like the policies that are put in place, especially for for women and women's reproductive health. And I always find it very interesting that somehow it becomes this lo- lobbying ploy um, that people use uh, uh, for their particular platform. And it, it it's not like it's something that has been set in stone and somehow people are rebel, rebelling against it. Um, when you, when you <laughs> look at birth... Are we rebelling by having yes, sex? <laughs> or rebelling by not wanting to get pregnant. I mean, I don't know. Ooh, <laughs> but like, what? if you look you at the bastard. history, you know, if you look at the history of birth control, if you look at the history of abortions, if you look at the history of that, you'll see sort of very similar to that of um, rated movies. The movies that are rated R or explicit or G or PG vary depending on the time in which the rules are in place. So you could see that prior, you know, it's not like something that's always been static. Everybody hates it. Nobody thinks that, you know, everybody agrees that nobody should be spoiling the seed or and everybody should be pregnant. Um, there were times where people were more aware that having a baby is problematic when you don't have resources to take care of them, or it's become many, many reasons why there shouldn't be a baby that comes out of this. And yet people use that to, again, like what you were saying, David, like this whole concept of fear. And the, the most bizarre thing about it is like, one, that people know that they can incite fear by bringing up this old stuff without it even being empirically mm-hmm. based, and people believe it. And the other piece is that they feel the need to do it in order to control something. Me personally, I feel like yeah. everybody should mind their fucking business. And I don't know if you're cursing on this, but here we go. <laughs> but 
You know, if I want to get my O at at an afternoon delight and then an hour later, like I'm getting, I'm doing my everyday thing. Like, how is that anybody's business? What are your thoughts, David? (laughs) Research shows that people who have more sex are more productive at work. So we, you know, rather than scheduling lunch breaks, we should be scheduling sex breaks and <laughs> I <concur>. you know, <laughs> increase the effectiveness of our, uh, of our employees. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, um, Angie, I, I, I will say though, I'm, I am disappointed in you because you did not, you did not mention PG 13, which then, <laughs> which then draws us down. I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys remember, I certainly do. PG-13 rating was created because of Indiana Jones. Really? Um, yeah, the the Indiana Jones Temple of Doom movie where they had the, you know, the 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 eating monkey brain. That was what turned into like that. And he stuck a hand into a heart. I loved that. That's I watched right. it again and again and again as a right. child, which I don't know what that means about me, but go All on, right. David. <laughs> well, I I I I think we need more time to deal with what that means. <laughs> well, about you you guys need to psychoanalyze me. Like I think Indiana yeah. Jones is why I'm a sex therapist. I don't know. So so here so so here's a question that I often ask audiences it, related to some of this stuff is what is the technology that increased the viewing of pornography more than any other historical technology? Internet. The internet. Nope. No. The VCR. Oh, no. The VCR. Oh, the VCR. <laughs> because, oh. because, because that led to people being able to bring pornographic um, men being able to bring porn tapes home and watch with their wives. Before, Before that, they used to hide porn mags in a tire out in the woods, just so everybody knows. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I know what I was doing there. Yeah, it's I for am the, porn. the last of I am the last of the generation that had to work to view porn. You know, we oh. had to go on a scavenger hunt through the woods to find this fucking tire. Are you proud of but, yourself for being a part absolutely. of that? Oh, that's yeah. tire. <laughs> you know, I had, I had to walk uphill both ways in snow. I had to be naked with no shoes. It was to find, freezing. To find the porn. To, to find, find the porn. porn. You guys just right. get it for free. You don't even have to deal with the consequences. Yeah, you don't, you don't, know, you don't know what it's like. And <laughs> exactly. Now, so the interesting thing, though, is so um, – Back in the day, it was VC. It was VHS versus Betamax, and mm-hmm. Betamax was better than VHS. But <gasps> Betamax lost because, because of porn. Because of porn. Because of porn. Wow. Because because Sony, which owned Betamax, refused to allow people to make porn on Betamax. Mm-hmm. So VHS uh. let it. Now, cycle forward <laughs> twenty five years, thirty years, and. Blu-ray versus, I think it was HD, and Blu-ray won and dominated the 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 market because Sony, which owned Blu-ray, allowed people to make Blu-ray porn. And so, porn that, is leading the way in technology. That's what you just always, told us, David. Always. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank every you, porn. Technolo- every new technology involves sexuality in some way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. Of course, because we love it so much and we do need it secretly somewhere. (laughs) That's so interesting, though. I love these stories where you're like, oh, my God, that's where it came from. Okay, Mm -hmm. so what do we need to do to help people be better about sex? Go. (laughs) Uh, So it's interesting that you say that because I feel like 
when I see my clients, most often they're like, oh, it doesn't fit into this whatever vision that they have of either themselves as sexual beings or their marriage as sexual beings and or their their life as like a, a person who has had a child and then that sexual life afterwards or any other. And it just somehow doesn't match. And in my head, uh, and and in the conversation that we're going through is is this this whole unpacking and unburdening of this desire to fit into any one category or any one any particular story or narrative of what your sexuality and what your expression and your identity and your interest and your arousal and your desire are supposed to fit into. When I see like couples and they're like. Oh, you know, like, you know, our, our sex life has died down and, or we became lazy in this and that, and it doesn't fit because we should be this and we should be that. And I'm like, well, think about Albert Ellis. Cause he said, don't shit on yourself and masturbate. So how do we get to a place where we're not shitting on ourselves and masturbating all the time? You can masturbate, but not masturbate. How do we do that? Wait, is that why you say oneself a lot? Because you're trying to like be very universal. Yes. <laughs> like. I knew it. I knew it. It was all a hoax. You gotta fucking fix it. <laughs> like in the end, like you have you yourself as a human need to, mm. at least in my impression of things, like the how fear. Angie, I'm an alien. I'm not a human. Right? You guys should know this. <laughs> I'm a cyborg. <laughs> like anytime, anytime I think of like any any conversation like that, I'm thinking. And so, how do we chisel that away? All the pieces mm-hmm. that don't reflect who you are as a person and mold it into a new, into a more modified, authentic you. Mm-hmm. David, what do you think about that? I love it all. I mean, I, I, I Angie, you got me. I didn't know that was a quote from Albert, Albert Ellis. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, she is brilliant. But I didn't know about PG-13 I, um, and Indiana Jones. There you <laughs> go. Know, we're all learning so much right now, guys. <laughs> One of the one of the things I'm doing lately with patients is I've developed um, what I call the uh, a sexual values questionnaire, and um, I'm asking people to identify the things that are really important to them in good sex. What are the things that really um, are critical for them to enjoy sexuality. And, you know, it might be novelty. It might be intimacy. It might be emotional safety. It might be, you know, excitement. And it might be pegging. It might be pegging. And, and then I'm asking them to also identify the things that they, uh, you know, are disgusted by in sexuality that, that, that they just can't really even abide. And then as I work with couples, I'm overlaying those two things, you know, Hey, look, this is, these are the places where you guys match. These are the places where you guys don't match. There's, there are even some apps that, that are doing pieces like this mm-hmm. as well. And I think that the, what I work towards kind of like Angie was saying is I, I'm trying to help people integrate their sexuality. Because what I find is that most people, we only think about sex when we are turned on. We don't think about the things that we like sexually when we're not turned on, because that's when we can think about, am I okay with myself as a person that I like pegging or that I like, um, you know, it's okay if you like it, David, you just need to own who you are. (laughs) 
Absolutely. And, and, you know, bring that, bring that big cork thing my way. Um, I, know. <laughs> I have a big cork for you right here. It's That's ready right. to cork your cork. wine any day. <laughs> Absolutely. I like big corks. <laughs> I cannot lie. I got big corks and I cannot lie. <laughs> David, you're saying good things. They're very important things. I love actually, it all. Actually, David, as you were talking, I was thinking, at first I was looking at my shiny shirt because I'm wearing a Harley David shirt with a lot of rhinestones. They really like the, what was that thing that they used to put rhinestones on shirts? Do you guys remember the, the, oh, the thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, What's I, it I, called? I, Somebody tell me. Oh, oh God. It's the, I can't remember the stupid thing. This bejeweling. The Is bejeweling. it a bejazzle? Okay. But anyhow, yeah, as you were talking, I... Uh, yes, but even I was also thinking intelligent thoughts as David was talking. <laughs> and one of the things I was thinking about is how important it is for people to talk about their values and like share what they like and what they don't like. And when you talk about integration, so I just want to like even break that word down for like my listeners because I have listeners of all kinds. Um, all integration is, is you just are who you are. You accept your sexual interests and desires. And like, that's not somehow hidden in like a dark closet somewhere that you can't tell anybody about. And you know, what? I love the metaphor of the closet. I know it originally came into vogue because of gay people kind of coming out and saying like, they're coming out of the closet. This is something they hide. But the reality is when I was growing up, I realized that there are a lot of ways that people can be in the closet, so to speak. And what it looks like is just hiding parts of yourself, hiding your erotic interests, hiding your desires, hiding the fact that you are a sexual person. I'm, I am shocked again and again that there are so many people who say to me, I'm not a sexual person. And I'm like, well, wait, what do you mean? Like, what do you, how do you define a sexual person? Why is that so evil to you? You know? And to me, it's crazy. Cause it's like, wait, Every human is a sexual person in some way. You have your own way of being sexual. But I just feel that that integration is about like opening up the door, so to speak, coming out of that closet and not having a hidden part of yourself, but being open about these are the things I like. And it doesn't mean you're masturbating in a yeah, grocery store because honestly, right now with COVID-19, you shouldn't anyways. But it no, don't. But it, what it does mean it just means that you're open about the fact that you like sex. Maybe you're open about the fact that you share affection with your partner or that you like to go down on them. And it doesn't mean you have to put it in every conversation uh -huh. because I've learned people don't like that. <laughs> but I know I had to learn so much. I sometimes think I'm autistic. I don't know. But anyhow, like it's just about being open in a way that is like respectful. That's still, I guess, I, I mean, like, but even as I'm saying this, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where all the social norms are. And I don't know if mm -hmm. I like what the social norms are. Does that make well, sense, King? Let me, let me just say that there's a social norm that you just brought <laughs> up. And I wouldn't normally talk about this, but I've had some bourbon. And, um, you know, I, That's why we all drink. <laughs> that's right. In, in, in Albuquerque, several years ago, we had this scandal where um, this woman uh, was in a grocery store here and was offered a yogurt sample. She Ooh. she took a bite of the yogurt sample and then spit it out yeah. because she recognized the taste. Ah, and demon? Sure ah. enough. Huh? Yes. It, ah, it that's not yogurt. Sure enough, we all know guy, that flavor. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 
That's not yogurt. Yeah, the guy who who fuck. was giving out the yogurt had ejaculated in the various. Cups. Oh, I said fuck, like man, that's yeah, just like indeed. Oh. So, you know, yeah. Fuck yuck! Fuck yuck! Fuck yuck! We just came up with a new phrase. Fuck yeah. yuck! Angelus, fuck if, yuck. you know, sex in a grocery store, masturbating in a grocery store. This guy that's was doing gross. It. Who is this guy? You know, gross. Yeah, went to jail. Well, you know I'm glad. I'm very know, grateful I mean, for just, that. <laughs> I feel like that all, all lends to this piece about sexuality, like this piece about, like for when you, when you said, Angela, <laughs> like when you said about um, being sexual, like I'm not sexual. By you identifying as somebody who's not sexual, you are sexual. You are orienting to an element of sexuality. It is a paradigm um it is a um and 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 so then it, it really the honoring of it is just honoring where you are no matter where you are you know and and whether it's affectional intimacy or mm-hmm. intellectual intimacy that gets you off you know nerding out is totally hot for me if i hear like a super nerdy podcast i'm like fuck yes bring me the vodka and my play toys like I love it. Oh my god! <laughs> I still always love the ice love cream, it. and I definitely know nerdy. I love nerdy, and actually, hold, <laughs> like you're right, you're right. And actually, um, something I was thinking about with that sexy stuff is that actually the the usual I'm woman. About okay, so I've said actually woman, five times. <laughs> definitely drunk. Okay, so <laughs> no, 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 no. The usual. I shouldn't say that. The usual person I see who says I'm not sexual just is uncomfortable with being mm-hmm. seen like that slut you mentioned earlier. You know, remember Angie, how you're talking about like the whore-ish? They don't want to look like a whore. When I delve deep with a client, actually that's what they're talking about as being a sexual person. They don't see themselves as like a porn star or a stripper. And I'm like, you don't have to be a stripper to be sexual. I mean, you can strip because stripping is kind of fun, but like it looks terrible. Really, you kind of are playing around and you're fake teeth. You're doing, you're not like, I don't have a pole in my house. You just kind of take your clothes off and throw it at your partner. And, you know, and they're like, oh, you're serious. And I'm like, I know I'm just being silly, but here's my shirt. Like that's real stripping. You know, it doesn't I, really I, look I just, like that. I just wish you had taken your phone out of your pocket before you threw the pants at me because whack. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's be considerate. Oh. I am always a considerate stripper gang. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that you say that about the poll because if you look at my Amazon um, oh, no. cart right now, it definitely has a poll. Oh, it. you needed something to do. Good for you. You came up with a hobby. <laughs> I need a core activity and my ukulele does not help my core. Angie, when you go on that pole, I've done a pole dancing class. It really hurts your arms. Like you will have some serious upper body strength if you do it. Like I, all power to those girls because they are doing crazy interested. shit. Okay. <laughs> I think we've devolved. David, do you want to interject <laughs> anything? David, please, David, please bring, please us, bring back. us back to logical talk. <laughs> I, I don't know. Is Angie going to watch me interject Angela? Because uh, oh, that, that's good. Oh, my God. Guys, I had an idea before this all happened, oh, and now I'm drunk, so it's <laughs> happening. I thought if we were all in an orgy, who would be in what position? Go! <laughs> <laughs>
Well, David did call me out. I am an observer. Ooh. Oh, you'd be watching, you dirty girl. I I think it's hot. Not going to lie. Wow. So you'd just be like standing in a corner. Would you be crying? No. I think I would be like binoculars and like my vodka. Like, binoculars? <laughs> You're in the same room. This is strange. I mean, you know, I don't know how close I am. David, what <laughs> positions are we in? Go. <laughs> I'm in the corner watching astutely and I'm making observations like Margaret Mead. Oh, <laughs> Gotta bring science into it. Come on. I mean, I'm telling you my nerd is my porn. Just, just, <laughs> just commit like to that. the experience. Oh no, that is her experience. She's an observer. What are you? It's not a, it's a voyeur. You're a voyeur, right? Like that's yours. I'm, so truly, I'm an exhibitionist. I adore it. I love like being in public settings and like taking snapshots of my cleavage, like, Ooh. and then sending it to people. And I love like I did a I did a presentation the other day, and I saw all these really wonderful vi- pictures of these dudes with their boxers and like <laughs> business on top and party on bottom, and I'm like. Fuck yeah, I'm going to do that. And uh, my partner took a picture of me and I was in a business top with like a lapel and everything and no pants on. And it was like, that's what I, that that's the kink in me. (laughs) All right, David, same question. We're all in an orgy. What positions are everybody in? (laughs) Oh God. Well, I mean, I, 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 I'm just crushed because last night they canceled Burning Man this year. And yeah, I um, heard that. I heard. Yeah. And, you know, I've been going to Burning Man for years. And actually, this year I was scheduled to give a talk at the Orgy Dome on, oh, good the, for you. Yeah, on the history of group sex. Oh. And um, so, so you know, what that means is that at an orgy, I'm the guy sitting there droning on about the sociological history and sexual practices <laughs> of group sex as a whole bunch of people are having group sex. David, that's not And I would be the girl getting all excited about all the nerdiness that was coming out of your mouth as you were observing all of the <laughs> And I'm just like, you guys don't know how to get it on. There's something wrong with both of you. <laughs> Angela would be in the group. But set. I accept and love your sexuality and allow you to be who you are. But like, you guys need to think about these things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So something probably more nerdy and probably more practical. So what should we tell the listeners about like how to be better in bed, how to be better about whatever integrating? I I sometimes like when I'm talking to my, as I've been doing this more, I just want to talk like a person and less like a therapist. So I know you're sex therapist and there's a little bit of, I think of a circle jerk that goes on where we just kind of listen to each other and talk our words. And it's like, fuck our words, like talk to people. So the people want to know, how do we have good sex? What do you guys think they should be doing to be better at it? You can decide who goes first. (laughs) Go ahead, David. Well, you know, a good friend of mine, Peggy Kleinplatz, has just come out with this remarkable book called, um, I think it's called Magnificent Lovers um, or Optimal Sex. There you go. And and, uh, it's, it's a really extraordinary book where she... She talked to people and, and, and she, she makes the argument, look, you know, magne- good lovers are not born, they're made. Absolutely, and, you grow. Yeah, and, and mm. 
I love that. And and some of the powerful messages in there, you know, to talk like a person is that you've you've got to be able to communicate your sexual interests and desires to your partner. Um, and and you as the partner have got to be able to listen and hear them and not judge and shame. You've also got to mm. you've got to be present. I mean, so many people Again, uh, you know, like I said a minute ago, you know, we only think about sex when we're turned on. But the the reverse to that is that when you are turned on, you've also got to be present. You've got to be able to be in your body. You've got you've got to accept that your sexuality is a really amazing part of yourself and love yourself for having this crazy kinky desire. Okay. What do you think, Angie? Did you forget the question? I really love all of that. You said how to help people have better sex. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because some people... (laughs) (laughs) I could paraphrase. No, you're good. Um, I think... I think it's really interesting, but for me, it's very much in line with what David was saying. I think as soon as we allow ourselves to be vulnerable with ourself and with others, the better understanding we have of our needs and our interests, regardless of where they are. Um, so, I mean, I've gone stone cold. I've had cold months, personally. I've had hot months. I've had hot years. And I think recognizing that sexuality and sexual expression and desire and all things related to it is not something that is static, but something that is ever developing, ever evolving. And when you sort of concede the idea that you are not only part of, it's not something that you're watching. It's something that you can actively engage in. So you're not just like, in it for the, on it for the ride. Like you have your own agency, you have your own narrative, whatever that may be. And if you've never had an orgasm in my head, you know, like I've, I've especially like when I look at the research right now where it's like telling, especially women, mm-hmm. uh, specifically women, really not especially specifically targeting women and saying like, it's okay not to have an orgasm. And in my head, I'm like, like no, I'm you fuck you. Myself, no. <laughs> how many avenues have you supported have you reported and supported in order to say that? Mm-hmm. Because orgasms, like if you look at Beverly Whipple's work, if you look at any of Bassin's work, like if you look at their work, like you see that orgasm can be achieved far in far many different ways yeah. than just and female orgasm is so like, wonderful too. Go on. Yes. Like for so for me, it's like to help people have better sex lives, like fucking blow up whatever preconceived (laughs) notions you have about sex and create your own narrative because your body is going to respond to the times very differently in one space compared to another. That's why people are making comments about how this pandemic is going to be like the next boom, Mm -hmm. because you are facing each other. If you have a partner in your own space Mm -hmm. and you're either going to be like, "Ugh, I hate your fucking face (laughs) or put your face down in my crotch. (laughs) Like there's (laughs) like, right. So like, and that may both things may happen in the exact same day. Because there is no seasons right now. There are no seasons. So 
it's just a matter of just taking some ownership and 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 ex- accepting the vulnerability and creating that space for you to to do that kind of work because in my mind all my clients all the people even my 7 and 8 year old I'm you all everybody has agency my my daughter is all the time <laughs> talking you know like i had somebody going like oh well your daughter's talked to us about the vulva today and they're <laughs> 7 and 8 and i was like well did they use everything accurately and they're like well yes we got a full anatomy <laughs> lesson and i'm like <laughs> oh, you're welcome you're welcome you <laughs> needed to learn angie yeah, i want to tell you something welcome. about this that, <laughs> something you said that i thought was super important that just like really hit home to me was like you said cold months and feeling kind of like here's how I call that I call it dead inside where like mm. I just don't I feel numb and like I've had that so all right oh a little self-disclosure I actually do that more now you guys don't have to but I do and I feel like it's very valuable um I've started to learn like I pay really close attention to my body and like when I'm feeling kind of mm. numb or dead inside in terms of sexuality. Cause I'm one of those, like, I really truly believe that sex therapists or people who are in this field, we love sex. Like you said, Angie, a while back, mm-hmm. like you, there's a reason you're drawn to it. You care about it. You feel like I'm one of those sexual people. Right. So anyhow, like I pay very close attention to my sexuality in terms of my happiness, my depression. I know it sounds crazy, but it's not because when I'm more sexual, I know I'm in a better place. When I'm less sexual, I know I'm in a worse place. And there have been times during this, guess what? This is coming out during the COVID-19 pandemic. In case you all didn't notice, we're in a pandemic crisis. It's crazy. So like, it's been interesting because I pay attention to my body. And there have been times where I'm like, I feel dead. And I'll tell my partner, I'll say, I I don't even, I, I love you. And I'm a sexual person, but I feel nothing right now. And it's nothing to do with you. This has to do with how I feel about everything that's going on. And the crazy thing, like I lovely, I have a lovely, very accepting, supportive partner who's like, yeah, I get it, you know, like whatever. But like, it's been interesting to pay attention to my body because I do feel integrated like David's been talking about, where you just feel like completely connected to who you are as a sexual person. You're like, these are the things I like. These are things I don't. This is just who I am. Fuck off, right? That's that's integration to me. Okay. And so like, it's so, it's so integrated that it, I can tell how happy or not happy I am based on my ability to tell my desire level, like understand where I'm at in this moment or this moment. And like, I'm like, oh, if I'm dead inside, I'm actually feeling kind of depressed. Like there's a lot going on in the world and I just, I don't feel sexual. And Angie, you were saying earlier, like, hey, um, people are going to have, you didn't say this, but coronials, people who are going to have babies <laughs> at this time. I honestly don't think people are going to have coronials unless it's a first time child because the other people who have children, all their children are on top of them all the time. And it makes us like, <laughs> want to scream. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyhow, like for new, new partners, I do think people are going to have kids if it's just like couples without kids or if they actually have a space or boundaries to be able to have sex. But it's just interesting to see how like, I think when you're integrated, you actually can like your sexuality or your ability to engage in your sexual desire is very closely linked to your happiness or lack of happiness in life and your sense of like being together. I did have a thought actually in response to that. So, um, yes, when I, I wrote my third book, um, called ethical porn for dicks, a man's guide to responsible <laughs> viewing pleasure. Ethical porn and, for dicks. Oh, yep. Yep. Seriously. And <laughs> it's a, 
it's a picture book because I wrote it for guys um, about sexuality and about their relationship with pornography. And it, it made me, um, it made me really think a lot about, um, you know, kind of my relationship with pornography and masturbation because these two things go together. And um, during it, my, my wife and I had this really fascinating conversation and she said, you know, do you remember, you know, 20 years ago when um, we were living in Houston and I was going through residency and she said, you know, there was this period of time where you were watching porn and masturbating and I wanted to have sex. And, and I said, gosh, you know, I, I realize now that at that time I was under so much stress. I was under so much personal, professional stress that I didn't have the emotional resources to have sex. I just, you know, I want to be a good lover, but I couldn't be present enough or mindful enough to be a good lover. And all I could do was kind of veg out in front of porn and masturbate and try and get through the day. And I, A, I think that's part of what people are doing right now with COVID are just, just trying to get through. But yeah, B, absolutely. I realized, you know, through that, that we don't give ourselves permission to sometimes not have the capacity to connect with another person and to that, that we are just trying to sexually survive. Yeah. Um, and, and so yeah, that was the thing that kind of came to mind for me, Angela, as you were talking about that, because it, it was funny writing that book helped me kind of make that realization. And the challenge was, at that time when I was, what, 25 or so, I didn't have the language. I didn't have the vocabulary or the emotional maturity to communicate that to my partner. And I wish that I could give that to more people, the ability to say, hey, look, this is where I am right now sexually. If you want to meet me there, great, but I don't have much I don't have much, much flexibility right now just because of everything else that's going on. You know, David, I want to add something to that and check in with Angie. But like one thing that I think of is that people don't, one, have the commitment to their sexual relationship that I probably do as a sex therapist <laughs> because I, I'll, I'll be honest, I put a lot of pressure on my sex life because of what I see in the office. Like I see people mm. not having sex for years and I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to hurt my partner. But I also realize how important a good sex life is to a relationship. So I put probably a more pressure on my sex life than most people do. But a second thing, just being real, I'm being real. Love but a it. second thing is that I don't think people like, because they don't have that same commitment to this is important and we each have to put effort into it. And it's really, it's like a two way street. Then there's that second thing that you were talking about, which is like, Hey, being able to communicate that I'm not there. Like I'm somewhat there, but I'm not fully there. And like that there be a permission or a compassion between partners to just say, it's not happening today. Not because I don't love you, not because you're not important to me, but because I feel fucked. Like it's COVID-19. Mm -hmm. The world is falling apart. Like I got to tell you two weeks ago or a, actually it was just a week ago. Like I was at a playground. I, I keep telling this story, but I was at the playground when the worker guys came and shut down the playground. They came oh, wow. and they said, they said, you're not going to like us, but we need to, we need to shut the playground down. And my daughter says, goodbye playground. 
play. Oh. And, I'm like, oh, I and I was, I know I fell apart. And I said, well, the hard thing is I have an only child, right? So like before this occurred, just a little context, um, I was making up friends for her because she didn't have friends. And she she got to the playground and she said, where are the friends, mom? Where are the friends? And I'm like, uh, they're not there. Mm. Let's just make up friends. So I was like, okay. And so we had made up like these kids, like just random, you know, we made up like fake friends. So there were three friends from her school, of course, their names. And then they closed it down. Like when I already felt like a failure. As a mom. Oh my and so I was like, well, we already <laughs> made up friends. We're just going to fake a playground now too. I went crazy. <laughs> I fell apart. And like oh. the reality is, I know it was horrible, but that was, that was my bad week was last week. And I was just crying a lot. And I, I told my partner, I was like, I love you. I want to fuck you. I know you're important to me. And this is an important part of our lives. Cause I actually have a commitment to my sex life as a sex therapist, because it's mm-hmm. super important because of what I see. But at the same time, I needed to just be able to say to him. And I did, I said, I'm just not there. I feel dead inside. Like I feel numb. I feel numb. And I'm not, I'm a sexual person. I don't usually feel numb, but right now I do. And he was like, babe, Mm -hmm. it's cool. Like, I love you. This is where you're at. Like, I'm here for you. And I just feel to your point, David, that people need to, people need to be able to express that. Like if you're in grad school and like you barely have any energy to survive, like we need to like communicate our commitment to our sex life, but also our uh, like a deep respect and acceptance for here's where I'm at right now. And that's okay. And I hope you can be okay with that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's funny. My, you know, my daughter is very much in my head right now because uh, I was having these connections to both the story by Angie about her daughter and this Angela, the story by, about your daughter. Cause you know, my daughter, I picked her up at daycare one time and they said, you know, your daughter who was, I, I think um, she was one and a half at the time was going around telling everybody, you know, boys have penises and girls have vaginas. And they were really troubled by that. And I said, well, Hey, that's great. She's right. You know? And, and uh, and and then Angela, you know the um, uh, my I, I have one hand. Uh, I was born with one hand, and and one of the things I do when I work with kids is I draw a little face on my on my nub, and and I use it as a puppet to interact with kids so that they can interact with my arm without fear because people are kids yeah. are shamed yeah. when they when they, when they yeah. attend to people with disabilities, and so. Um, my daughter, though, she decided that, that Mr. Sloopy, who is the character that is my arm, um, was, mm-hmm. was, was her best friend. And so, so Angela, when you said you were making up, making up friends for your daughter, that, that's, what, that's what I did. And, and, yeah. and, and Mr. Sloopy was my daughter's best friend. And one time I, 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 I actually got a little hurt, you know, because she said, you know, can I talk to Mr. Sloopy? And I was like, well... You know, you know that's me, right? You can talk to me. <laughs> she doesn't want to talk to you. No, it's not no. Dad. and and, <laughs> the and same. yeah, and she said, "Yeah, Dad, I know." Now, can I talk to my friend? <laughs> um, she, oh, so, she just liked that version of you. That's that's really yeah, interesting. That's right. We could really yeah. break that down. Yeah. <laughs> but but you know, she's watching. She she's watching the sex education show on Netflix, and mm-hmm. she shows it to friends and potential boyfriends and sh- stuff. And she says, "Just so you know, this is my life with my father." Ah, as a sex I therapist. I bet I worried when I watched that show, I totally worried that my daughter, like, oh my God, that's what I'm going to do with my kid, my poor kid. <laughs> yeah. Except that, you know, I think that um, 
you know, hopefully we're all raising kids and a generation that views their sexuality, you know, as a part of themselves and yeah. not something yes. that we should pretend Outside. doesn't exist. I agree. Angie, where are you at with all of this? Oh man, there's so much. No, you're just putting it all together. I can tell. <laughs> would you like to? Would you? I was gonna say you want to guide me on like where to where to where to move forward. No, what do you think? What do you think we should be teaching our kids? Well, when it, for me, I find myself in a, a beautiful state of hypocrisy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> to be quite honest, um, because I feel like agents. Again, I always say agency, like, and I've never heard it before. So I, I doubt that I made it, but it's there. So sexual agency, like the ability to be independent and, and independently think of one's own sexual experience, no matter where it is, and have the, and to believe fully that you have the freedom to influence your own sexuality in what capacity, in whatever capacity it needs to be. But for me, I do find myself sort of like. Falling back on old roots, changing it up so that it makes sense when I get another breath, fixing it and revamping it. So if people are listening and trying to figure out, like, what do I say about kids? First of all, your knee-jerk reaction may or may not be great. <laughs> um, but the beautiful thing about children is that they're so fucking resilient. I like that. If you provide them once you're able to not be so um when your lid is not flipped um in terms of that just response if you have the ability and the vulnerability and the courage to go back to it and say yeah now like it's all beautiful and it is all what you create then that's okay i like that you know i i think especially when i i especially when i think of like you know, like, when am I going to teach my kids about, ma- I, I've been writing a lot about masturbation lately. And like the idea, the notion that even though my mother was sexually liberal and, and truly that is such a big response, it's like my mom was sexually liberal in that she spoke to me about her sexual interactions, but never did she express the importance of sexual agency in in a comprehensive way. So I knew what to say no to. But I did not know what to say yes to. Uh-huh. I did not know what to say in terms of like diddling my own bean. <laughs> I did not know what to say in terms of exploring my own body. And I just celebrated my 39th birthday and found one of those toys, you know, talking about <laughs> I do. one of those toys, <laughs> one of those clitoral stimulating toys where I finally found like my O in terms of like, like expediency, you know, like dudes can get, and, and you know, collectively dudes, dudes. dudes can, <laughs> people with penises can get off far more easier than I have ever had in my entire life. And with this beautiful Mirac, I call him Bruno or Bruce, sorry, Bruce. Bruce. Like it. Um, I call him Bruce cause all my, all my, all my toys are men. Um, I call him Bruce and Bruce, so heteronormative of you. And, <laughs> you know, but, but I, all of my penetrative devices are male. All of the others are women. And so, 
Um, I don't know. Maybe it is heteronormative. You're right. It doesn't. No, you don't, Angie. Just do what you want to do. <laughs> like, seriously, don't overanalyze it. Just enjoy yourself. Don't do it, Angie. <laughs> I, I would say so that, that, that definitely is a thing. I mean, I think we, we as sex therapists can be can be too politically yes. correct, too in our heads, yeah. too 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 yes. tentative, too too and, judgy. And, and, Right. And, and, and and I think that is a place where, you know, Angela, as you said earlier, we have to be human, um, yeah. and, you know, mm-hmm. for our patients to be able to engage with us. And um, and it's OK. It, it, it's OK for us to have those those biases and judgments, those instinctive reactions. Those, You're saying it's um, OK for her to like a dick. <laughs> that's right. It is okay, okay for you to for like you to like it to okay be a my, dick. For my vibrator to be named Bruce. I know okay. that's so masculine <laughs> of your vibrator. <laughs> I know. Well, so and 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 there it is, right? And so mm, that's what I'm saying. Like, like in in the end, as a 39 year old who has been sexually explorative for as long as I can remember, I have found my O in a very um, beautiful. Time efficient. <laughs> I love time efficiency. We're so busy all the time. Time efficient. <laughs> but, but truly, just for me, like mm-hmm. just for me. And it's fantastic and it's wonderful and it's selfish with the big S, not the little S. <laughs> and it's incredible. I'm so proud you found and- Bruce. <laughs> Oh my God, I fucking love Bruce. And Bruce would not have come out if I'd not had three drinks, Angela. I <laughs> just need to own who you are. Go on, David. Girl, I own it more than I should. <laughs> Angie, tell me more about this. And I just tweeted it out. This oh, a beautiful, no. a beautiful state of hypocrisy. I want to understand oh. that. It's a mm-hmm. it, it is a compelling statement. Um, right? It is. Break it down for me. Just the, the notion that, you know, you're supposed to play it off as if you know everything. And in the end, you, you still are trying to learn. And so yeah. thinking about, like, how to navigate those conversations with with your children because you want them to be the best you. And yet you're still fumbling around. You're still trying to find it in the dark. And you're still trying to get a good place where you are, but you see and hope that they may get there faster because of this wisdom. And yet <laughs> it's not journey. always working it's for still you. Their journey, but that's really cute. You're like, maybe you'll figure this out quicker than me. Right. I fucked it up, but you can hopefully. find your clip before I can. Who do yeah. you? <laughs> find your clip. Find it as soon as possible. Find it. <laughs> find it. Own it. Love it. David, why do you like that so much? That phrase? Um, you know, I, I, I think again, is this embracing of, um, yes, I know I have to pretend I'm on top of everything, but I am fumbling in the dark just as much as we all are. Um, yeah. I, you know, Angie, I like it because it, it gives us the permission to be human, um, in a way that I think, <sighs> You know, there's so many people out there today who are just so certain 
about everything. They are certain that vaccines cause autism. They are certain that chloroquine is the treatment for, you know, for COVID. They are, they are certain that, you know, this is all fake news or this, that. David, you know that certainty is kind of dangerous though, right? Like people who are certain like that often know nothing or like kind of dumb. I'm not supposed to say that word politically correct, but like they tend to not be pretty intelligent if they're that uncertain. (laughs) I'm, I'm the guy who's never really been certain about everything. But maybe you should own that. (laughs) Right. <laughs> it's the owning it that makes you wiser. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, that's so well, sexy. <laughs> well, that's the story of. of <laughs> and my original degree is in philosophy. Um, is that mm. you know Socrates went on a, uh, a quest mm-hmm. to find a wise man, and um, and he found all of these people who told them told him that he was what that they were wise, but with each of them they had flaws, and finally. You know, Socrates realized that I, you know, and honestly, I can't remember if it was Socrates or Sophocles, but <laughs> sorry, but but Socrates realized that wisdom is knowing what you don't know, recognizing um, that you don't know it all, and like, like I think it's the journey towards searching for it too, like that you you recognize that there are so many things you don't know, but you're not like, I just don't know it. Like it's God. It's like, no, no, no. Like I don't know. And I'm going to learn. I'm going to like mm-hmm. take as much time as I can to find it. Cause I want to find it. Like that is sexy. I, Angie, I understand your nerd geeking out sexiness because it's like, Oh my God, he wants to learn so much about life or her. But still, Oh, it is sexy when people want to learn. So sexy. Well, I think the reason why it's so hot is that is this idea that being so static in the end, it just it it stops you. It it prevents you from growing and learning and meeting like the true human capacity. And the fact that we're we are mortal, we have this precious time to learn about ourselves, to learn about our being. And re- really, Angela, like when you were talking about your body, like I do a lot of EMDR work and I explore a lot of nonverbal language and like our bodies are, you know, in terms of like, when you look at like mental health, it's like our bodies are f- the they first really responders, are. right? They truly are. They move, flinch, like lubricate, mm-hmm. stiffen in response to environmental stimuli but also our brains and with when we don't pay attention to our bodies and when we don't pay attention to the nuances of our own interest and desires and we become kind of in a go into a state of like a or a perpetual funk and without any interest in really looking i mean that's that's like the sadness of the human experience i think because it's only when you when you really dig in deep and it doesn't matter where you are in terms of sexuality. Like just so just like owning where you are in that moment and recognizing that it may very well change and alter depending on the next day, depending on the new experience, depending on the next <laughs> fuck, depending on the next Ooh, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you know what, though? That's so cute because – I mean, not cute. Like, I don't want to like diminish. Cute sounds diminishing. I'm so overthinking always. Even when I drink, See? I overthink everything. See? Ah, it's destroying me. 
Uh, see, I thought I might like not overthink if I drank some, but I'm like, oh, I just become more aware that I'm a sex therapist. And it's really important that my audience is supported and taken care of. But like, no, like I do. I feel that that sense of like, I'm I'm really connected to my body and I'm so grateful for it because actually just a year ago when I was going through my divorce, I was going through a su- pretty severe grieving process and I it was so weird. So, all right, I'm going deep guys. Sorry. <laughs> but like in March of last year, and it's funny that it's March this year too, when everything fell apart. But in March of last year, I kind of had a breakdown and in my breakdown, I was, I was shaking or numb. And I was like, Whoa, I think this is the stage before somebody might try to kill themselves. And it was so weird. And I'm not like saying anything mean here. I'm just trying to like explain like the body experience. experience. Like it was weird because I I didn't get there, but I I could tell I was close and it was weird to feel that. But like, I think I personally think because I am very, very connected to my body and I have learned this integration. I've spent all this time like, what is my body? that I, I can kind of sense stuff like that. And I was like, I better take care of myself. Like seriously, take care of myself right now or bad things really could occur. And I just think that a lot of people are very disconnected to their bodies. And as a result, it makes it very hard to make basic decisions. And I'm not saying, so David, you were talking about like logic stuff earlier. I'm not saying people should just make decisions fully on their feelings because you still need research and logic. So like, I kind of see it as two things. One is feeling your feelings and sensing your intuition. But a second thing is always questioning. And that's where logic and research comes in, where you're like, you know what? I don't know everything. And it's really important for me to take in new information and pay attention because if you don't, you can fuck it up in that way. Right. And for me, it's about a mix of the two. It's about like feeling my body and feeling my feelings but it's also about like taking in as much information as possible so I learn as much as I can to really grow as a person. And I think that mix of those two things is what creates this like, I guess that mindfulness DBT thing that they're talking about where you're accepting, but you're also like thinking of your logic mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was a long diatribe, guys. I know. Love it. <laughs> Sorry. That's what I do when I drink. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. talk. So, okay, we're at the end, like we're way (laughs) over the end. So like final thoughts for everybody listening, Um, whoever wants to go first, Angela or David, I I think you both have added so much tremendous, awesome things. Well, Angela, you're Angela. Um, Angie can talk if she wants, but I don't know. Is there another Angela on the show that snuck on when I wasn't watching? No, I'm just, I call her Angie or Angela. She and I go back, you know, it's a thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, David, Whatever what are she your... would like me to be. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, bo- oh, boy. This, are, you sure we, <laughs> are you sure we need to end? Uh, this is getting good now. <laughs> well, I mean, I could go forever, but I was, I was trying to be respectful of your time. But to be honest, nothing's happening. We're all just oh, stuck really? in this just, COVID just, crisis. Just brag a little bit, Angela. You can oh, go God. forever. Uh-huh. Uh, try, try, try that with a penis. Um, oh, I kind of. I mean, oh. The penis <laughs> That the penis parties, the penis sleeps. It's all bueno. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Here. I will. I will designate. Okay, uh, Angie. Final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners about life, sex, love, and politics. <laughs> Damn. Your call. So I know. Gorgeous. I just made it very broad. Fuck. So 
I think that all podcasts should start off with pre-gaming with alcohol, A. <laughs> <laughs> um, B, I think, you know, I, I still follow this train and, and, and maybe it's because in my world there are no – it's sort of like Hawaii right now. If you've ever been to Hawaii when you think that it should be fall and it's not, and if you think it should be winter and it's not, and you think it's summer and oh, that kind of matches. There are no seasons right now to the world that we live in, in the world that we live in currently. And um, it's indefinite because the, t- the date of like this all being over is um, not clear. And so especially if you're cooped up in your home and you're trying to figure out what to do with life and navigating the common stressors of your everyday role in conjunction with being around folks who you love, who are you are now close to and facing like every single day, just recognizing the importance of finding that space for yourself. And if you are in all of this thinking, deeply and philosophically about your own sexual being, your own um, personhood in terms of where you are in life, diddle your being, see what it looks like, see what it, see how it reacts, see how it responds, play with different things, play with your partner. Cause you know, everybody has time right now. So why not? But also in, in relation to all of that, listening to, especially what Angela was speaking to your body and, and in terms of what your body needs and what it wants. And if it desires some alone time, then honor that. And if it desires some collective time with the folks that are around you, explore that. Um, But I think in the end, I guess what I'm gathering from all of this is that there is (laughs) very, um, (laughs) <laughs> very Dr. Seuss. There is no other like you. You are the <laughs> only you <laughs> in the world. You're there special. Is, there is no reason to comply to any script that is beyond you and that you have the ability to navigate your terrain and allow folks into your own world and to explore and to become wiser as a result because of your own exploration and your own vulnerability. So you do you, boo. That is it. Angie, also <laughs> plug your website. <laughs> oh, I don't have a website. I, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, well, I'm the president of the um, Association of Counseling, Sexology, and Sexual Wellness. Ooh, Our okay. website is www.counselingsexology.com. Okay. That was Did you good. Say calm or come? Yes, <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> well, I because I, I say that and I'm like I forgot it. Counselingsexology <laughs> dot com. All right. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and this and this shameless plug truly is that uh, counselors, mental health counselors, um, there are only. There's only one major leading body of accreditation that speaks to counseling field and how we are trained, and that is KCREP, um, which I'm not going to be able to tell you that acronym correctly. So yeah. if you're interested, look at C-A-C-R-E-P, and then you could find out what those letters mean. Uh, but it's the Council of Something, Accrediting 
Nope, I'm not going to do it. Um, it's okay, NC. You don't you. have to. I'm, I'm, I don't have to, so I'm not going to. Um, but in the end, there are only three <laughs> standards um, for all of the counseling field that speak specifically to sexuality. And two of them are in vocational rehabilitation in counseling. And one of them is in marriage and family focused counseling and the general population of counselor program counseling programs and counselor education programs do not have a requirement those are the only three standards that speak to sexuality and so the association that i developed that i co-founded um we are tra creating training opportunities, creating um, empirically-based research that speaks to the efficacy of, of being trained in sexuality for counselors at large, and then the efficacy in terms of what we can offer our clients. And so the... That's what I do on this All right, Angie, Angie, I love you, but I got to stop you for I know, a that's what I got. That's all, all I got. Right. I can tell that drinking makes you talk more. Oh shoot! No, it's definitely right. so, I drink. I talk a lot, no matter what. <laughs> no worries. But now I need David to tell us the answer. I don't even remember the question. David, you talk about plugging your website. <laughs> I got into a different Angie, thing. I know, I know, and Angie, fine. <laughs> just, just like, just self soothe for a time, David. Um, what are things you want the um the the uh, listeners to hear and your website as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I just say that um, everybody needs to give themselves permission for for things to be difficult, things to be hard. Um, in this COVID crisis, I mean, I I can't tell, tell you how many patients I've talked to where I've said, you know, yeah, of course you're going stir crazy. Of course this is challenging. This is supposed to be hard. It's not easy. Um the message is that the same thing is true with our sexuality. Um, we think that it's supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be simple. It's supposed to be clear, but it's not. And it's yeah. And, and the more we beat ourselves up for struggling with this thing that we think is supposed to be easy, the more pain we create and the more struggle we make. So, you know, I'll, I'll quote, you know, a therapist that I saw years ago who said, you know, David, you need to be more empathic with yourself. You need to, you need to be more compassionate with yourself. And I think all of us need to, need to implement that same lesson right now just to get through. Um, I hope that all of us come out of this experience a little wiser, a little softer with ourselves, a little kinder with ourselves and our loved ones, because that's the, that's the ultimate lesson of these kind of challenging experiences. What's your website, David? Oh, uh, I have a website. Um, uh, DavidLayPhD.com. Um, I think there's also stuff on X Hamster, so you can find me there too. Yeah. All right. Thank you both for joining me. And you have been listening to the About Sex Podcast at www.aboutsexpodcast.com. You can also find me, Angela Skirtu, at www.therapistinsaintlouis.com. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, David and Angie. And stay kinky, St. Louis.